Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. Brian. Tyler. And Mac. All right. Today we're going to start off with uh, a few changes with the Carpe GM Gamecast and CarpeGM.net. Unfortunately, we've been talking about gaming so much and dove headlong into this project at the worst possible time. Uh, my timing's terrible. My kids are home from school and I haven't been able to play with them as much as usual and I really need to spend some quality time with my family. For that reason, during the summer while the kids are out of school, we're going to go to a bi-weekly release schedule. Summer loving. So for both of our listeners that are out there, we're going to have to... Uh, <laughs> all two of you. Listen now up. they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> listen, it's not just because Dan needs a life. We all we, we all need lives. All right. Well, I now that, <laughs> need lives. Now that that's out of the way i got a little bit of news about the website. We're going to be changing the format of the website soon, so if you yes. show up and it looks a little different, don't run away scared. Stay. Uh, we're going to scared. Stay and be scared <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way it was meant to be. We're going to reorganize the website so it's more of a news site. I really want to get... Like an the, everyday flow. Yeah, I really want to get a better flow to the website. Rather than centering it just around the podcast, I want, to, I want it to... Be a little bit more informative on a daily basis, not just every other week or every week whenever we record something new. So it's all about flow. <clears throat> you, want, you want a heavy flow rather than a... All the way. Okay. Y- yes. <laughs> and we're also, very soon, I'm going to start soliciting interviews with independent game designers and oh. people that are in the industry and whatnot. So while we're going to go to a bi-weekly format... And the website's going to change a little bit over the course of the next few weeks. It's going to be the super game cast. Well, hopefully we're going to be able to do some pretty cool stuff. So, all that being said, let's just go on ahead and move right into today's topic. It's a big one. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So, uh, buckle up and enjoy the ride. My seatbelt don't work. Enjoy the ride anyway. <laughs> today's topic is settings. The setting of a tabletop RPG game is the sandbox in which you are building your gaming castle. Whether it's a big sprawling thing or a small, very detailed piece of work, you can't do any of that without having the setting behind you to know what the trappings are of the characters and the and the NPCs that you're going to be running. We'll start with the very the very basics of a setting. Whenever you create a setting for a game, or whenever you play a previously created setting for a game, there are some truths that are established. Now, those truths may be the time frame, they may be the equipment, they may be religion, religion, whether there's magic or not, the races that are available. Racists. Oh. Everywhere. (laughs) There's many racists available in many settings. And once you establish those truths... There's a rule for that. (laughs) I'm sure there is. Check out uh, Hero or Fatal, one of the two. I'm sure they have some. Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Hatred towards, you know, like elves and dwarves. There you go. There's a settlement system that... That incorporates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so once we once you establish those truths, if for some reason any of if for some reason any of those truths are going to change, you then need to bring the party in on it. Either they need to be facilitating that change or trying to stop that change or anything like that. Once the players hit the scene, it's unfair for you to change fundamental truths without involving them in it. It feels like cheating. If all of a sudden magic exists and the players created their characters with no concept of magic being in their character build. Right, the law of gravity no longer applies. Right, you're kind of it kind of feels like cheating then. So at that what you're point. saying it's basically like here's the story, like the whole story of your story, like it's this is the yeah. background. It's the it. foundation it's the from yeah. which you're going to build it's the your dossier game. on like it's like what you would hand to every player what you want them to know about your game before you start it. Right. It doesn't even have to be, like, your actual backstory, though. I mean, sometimes it's just the way the world works, you know? If your intro to your characters is they're on a spaceship in space, there's still gravity, <laughs> there's some stuff. They don't. You don't have to give them the whole history. They don't have to know what planet they're from or... Just what kind they, of tech you're dealing with. Yeah. And... It's going to be what the background is so that they have 
when their players when the player characters take actions they know you know what the background of the scene in their mind is right like a genre it sets the scene for the mind's eye and yeah. more than that in the case of a tabletop rpg it's also the rules for the way the universe works That's for the true. most part and how you interact with everything yeah. um it's it's every bit as important as the characters you're going to run through the game a good solid setting is establishing the backdrop of the stage that you're going to be running your characters through and without that you have a random mishmash of character concepts and all your players have something different in their mind, the game's not going to flow very well. Yeah. And um, the backdrop creates the trappings of your characters and the story that you're telling. Where you might have in a fantasy campaign, you might have a wizard casting a magic missile. Casting a magic missile. The trappings of fantasy make that wizard have robes and he's manipulating some force of magic and whatnot. If you were playing a pulp campaign, that wizard may look like a mad scientist who has a gun that's casting, that's shooting some force like bolt a ray of some gun sort. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That same character co- concept exists like, in another yeah, type of campaign. Like caster or warrior or something like that it can exist in multiple settings right. um, i've modern? been reading the harry dresden novels which are about a wizard running around in modern day chicago now he's wearing a duster and jeans yeah but still carries around a uh, staff and rod and trust me everybody looks at him like he's crazy <laughs> as long as the truth are still in place right i mean right. you know as you can't have everybody running around with a ray gun similarly you know in order for him to be a wizard not everyone can use that same type of magic with that level of mastery. Right. The truth established is that Harry Dresden takes place in a modern day time, however magic exists. That's a truth. So, also in modern day times, the same wizard slash mad scientist may be a computer and super tech equipment specialist of some sort, where he's got extremely high-tech armor or weapons or something or that he can manipulate. Hero. Or a superhero like Iron Man. Good, yeah. good point. Uh, you move a little further down the list, and you've got your wizard, your mad scientist, your Iron Man, and you go into sci-fi, and it could be an alien race or a culture that either has alien powers like of some sort, abilities. or maybe they just have extremely advanced technology that your characters don't necessarily understand. Or maybe they do. Who knows? That's That's up to you. And moving down the line, you've got your wizard, your mad scientist, your Iron Man, your alien. You move into the horror realm, which can exist pretty much anywhere, and you might have a cultist or supernatural being of some sort that has all these same powers as the wizard from the fantasy campaign. Generally, they're like kind of grounded in a real world with something odd about it. Right, yeah. right. Something twisted, something yeah. changed just slightly. Yeah. All right. So we'll just start with uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And over the course of the next uh, maybe couple episodes, now we'll intersperse some other stuff in here, but previously we discussed plot points and villains and storytelling concepts and everything. Now we're going to move on into this. We're going to start this week, we're going to start with fantasy. Pretty easy, but it's pretty in-depth and there's a lot of different ways you can do fantasy. And it's pretty much the main one. It is definitely the main one. Well, I don't want to say it's definitely the main one, but it's it's got to be the biggest. Y'all comfortably say it's the best one. Humbug, humbug, humbug. No. (laughs) I personally am a fantasy guy. However, to each his own. So, for all intents and purposes today, we're going to discuss fantasy. We'll move into some other settings and whatnot later on in future episodes. We've covered some storytelling points, some plot points, and from the GM's point of view, building a good story and immersion. We're going to move into a little bit of setting concepts and ways to make the stage, set the stage of your game so that your player's are easily immersed. Everybody's on the same page. If science fiction settings and whatnot are the stories of possible futures, then fantasy is the exploration of possible pasts. Yeah, with spice. Right. Some of the tropes from fantasy include, I'd say, primarily medieval or up to Renaissance era or even Dark Ages era technology. Sword fights. Yes, yeah. lots of swords, Usually lots of maces. Like a caste system of some sort. Yeah, kings, chivalry. Right, a feudal, Peasants. feudal kingdoms. Yeah. You've got... Uh, horses. <laughs> horses instead horses. of cars, yeah, you know. That one That one spans a few, a few yeah, different true. settings. But uh, with, your, with your feudal kingdoms and whatnot, you, you can have some relatively large, complex societies... In big cities that are near oceans or wherever, you know, wherever trade routes might run or anything like that. But a big one is that there's vast amounts of uncharted territory. Yeah. Lots of woods and mountains and deserts and everything where 
other things lurk in the darkness. The other thing, yeah, I was going to say, like, generally a trope of the setting would be the unknown. Just walking outside your door is an adventure. It's scary. Thank you, you Bilbo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's extremely dangerous outside of the comfort of a castle wall. And that's because walking through the woods, it's just as easy to see a giant spider or an orc. Which is another trope, is the well, races. I was going to say, even if it was just the medieval setting, like falling down and scraping your knee might can be, condemn you to death. You right, know, like. right. Uh, the races and magical <laughs> races and magical beings, they exist primarily because of the large expanses of uncharted territory. And, the, and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. In order to have a setting which includes many and varied races who are not exactly uh, intermixed necessarily... Yeah. Um, it requires distance, separation. There has to be places humans don't go for that to be where the elves live. Like nations yeah. and different Or just territory. And, yeah, stuff like that. It's easier to do that when every not everything is like secularized in a setting. You know what I mean? Right. So, when, when some with, stuff melds in together. Yeah, with fantasy, it's easier to produce things. Uh, and, yeah. This is the elf nation and right. this is the dwarf nation. Yeah. Like, this it, is... uh, other stuff, it, it might be more difficult because you have really, really established most of the time... Like, trade routes, uh, trade routes, territories, commu- communities, and cities. Right. Whereas fantasy, you're just like, let's go for a walk, and maybe we might find, find something weird. Net. Yeah. yeah. Find an net. Uh, there's a couple other tropes of fantasy, and those are usually that there's some old race that existed before, because there always seems to be ruins. <laughs> you never stumble yeah. across the fantasy world that has no ruins. There, there's always somebody that was here before and left something behind, and you've got to yeah. go get it. So that, that's kind of a trope, but. Or it's just fun. like, apparently there's like thousands of these just dungeons and these monsters hang right. out in them. Well, any given place only has one span in time where there was the first people come there. Like right. whatever race or whatever. There's only one time when that happens. And then if you consider all of thousands of years after that period of time, there's always been somebody there first. Everybody's looking through ruins. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'd say the biggest trope of fantasy, uh, the, the elephant in the room, is magic. Oh, yeah. Uh, the existence of magic in one form or another, and we'll cover that a little bit later, but that is a humongous trope of fantasy, and a lot of other a lot of other game settings, obviously. But in fantasy, I think it's first and foremost that a lot of the just basic concepts of fantasy couldn't exist without some form of magic. Yeah. I think the, the whole spirit of fantasy, though... Swords like, and sorcery, man! adventure. Yeah. Adventure is... Traveling the, from point it, A to point it's B. Just, it, that that is that is what fantasy is all about. It's the adventure of doing. It's not what hey this you need to do this one thing to complete this one quest. It's the adventure from point A to point B. Right. Just like and the spirit of adventure and stuff like that. I'd say if you were to leave magic and other races out of fantasy, you'd just have history. Yeah. yeah. If you if you if you pull out magic and the other races, and I guess the ancient civilizations were still there in history, but. If you pull those out, you just wind up playing a Renaissance era or just right, like you a got, game. You just, got Frodo and Sam, two humans, like, and on the History Channel today, or just, Frodo and yeah, Sam just, walk across the way to destroy the ring in Mount Doom. It yeah. took them quite a bit of time, but it was relatively safe. Like really, <laughs> really boring fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't have to be. If you take uh, the Sword and the Stone, uh, make... There's magic. Take out Merlin and magic. Well, no, sorry. Take out magic and make Merlin and Arthur normal people. You have a Knight's Tale. That's pretty true. Much, right. Pretty much. Right. You could do. That's a time frame, and those the magic and the races are the 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 truths that well, you're establishing in most fantasy settings. Look at. I mean, I know there is some, but if you look at maybe just like the first book or season of Game of Thrones, there's like no magic in that. It's just Game of Thrones is post high fantasy. And you yeah, established that truth that it happened before, and that's where the threat of the winter keeps coming from. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just and saying it can, be, it can be interesting and not That's boring. a card that the GM put in his back pocket for when he wants to throw some really crazy shit at the players. Uh, guess what? Dragons! Yeah, but still, like, yeah, everyone you talk to like with Game of Thrones, they're just like, come on, dragons, come on, magic. <laughs> there's come a, on, there's man, a I gotta have a dragon, first, man. Uh, Season. Yeah, but there were witches in, in the past too. You know, like people say there were witches and stuff. You saying you saying there weren't witches? I, mean, I don't know. There might real? be witches. Okay, so you you brought up you brought up high fantasy. That's the next step in this conversation. The different types of fantasy that are out there. Uh, I've got a few. I've got a few concepts. You guys can throw in whatever you've got. I think they break down mainly into four different concepts, and then they splinter off from there. 
And I think the first one, obviously, first and foremost, is the high fantasy concept. High fantasy is magic, magic floating cities, unicorns. Uh, it's the it's the tales that are told told of demigods and the crazy high level heroic warriors, and you're fighting the powers of Earth and civilization and the universe around you. Generally, That's high yeah. fantasy. Magic in in the place of high fantasy is very common. It almost controls it's, it. Like, it's the science. It powers it. it. Yeah, it is. And magic in this case, magic in most cases in one form or another, affects the way a world reacts to those fantastic beings that are present in fantasy novel, in fantasy games. It's so also a giant cop-out for a DM, because whenever you go, hey, how come this thing... Magic. magic. Yeah, just magic. It happens. It, it can it can be and but as long as you as long as you trust your GM, as long as you trust your storyteller, whoever's walking you through this story. It goes back with being consistent with the truths. Yeah, as long as you're not flipping around on the truths, as long as you're not just backpedaling trying to get your villain out of there or trying yeah, to yeah. put the PCs in a bad place regularly, then your players would probably just accept that. And if they don't, then you can discuss it later. Maybe we can hash it out. As a player, I have been personally in control of a flying castle, which would, which with it. <laughs> The uh, flight patterns of which I could control with my mind while wearing a special hat. It was great. Was it made of foil? No. Oh, okay. Do you know how fast you're going? Uh, <laughs> too fast. <laughs> the uh, speed of these thought. These are questions that need to be talked about after the game. Did you get pulled over by the <laughs> castle police? No, because they can't fly. There <laughs> yeah. you go. The, so, uh, I was we're going, s- we don't need castle roads. <laughs> <laughs> What I was going to say is when we're talking about high fantasy, I think the roots of high fantasy are in almost like grim fairy tales and the old like folklore and stuff like that. Have you ever read any of the German versions of old Grimm's fairy tales? They're all like messed up. And yeah, disturbing. they're horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Vladimir Prop, that's what he did. I know. Check it out. Um, you talked about him in an earlier episode. I, I did. Yeah. You, you guys need to check him out. He, he really got deep into that stuff. I couldn't imagine just devoting that much time to just studying those and then writing an essay about it. You, <laughs> I'm sure he had to go out and kill at least three children and feed them <laughs> to wolves or something as soon as he was done. But I'm just saying, like, the whole idea of the fairest of them all, like, magical land, that's right. high fantasy in my, like... Well, it depends. Now, I... For high fantasy, I've got a couple of concepts that fall under the under that umbrella, and I think Lord of the Rings fits in there. Yeah, uh, the Arthurian legends and whatnot. Really, the sword and the stone stuff. Yeah, with sure. Merlin. Merge okay. and the yeah, 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 wizards, wizards, dragons, also the Holy Grail potentially. Yeah, okay, yeah. you're right. The I think that all falls lake. under high fantasy. You've got larger than life, absolutely larger than life knights and holy kings, and you know, high fantasy there. Now, for the most part, fairy tales. Depending on the type of fairy tale, I think a lot of them could fall under high fantasy, but depending on the type of fairy tale, they fall under like light fantasy, which is another type of fantasy. Light fantasy is where the magic and the creatures, the magical creatures that exist are there to make trouble. They're usually the fairy tales that have happy endings where yeah. people don't really die. Like- the the bad guys, quote un- air quotes, that's great radio. The bad guys, <laughs> the the bad guys in here are usually playing tricks or just making things tough for the heroes, for the protagonists. As far as fairy tales that follow like the light fantasy path, there you've got Rumpelstiltskin. Nobody really gets hurt. Nobody really get, dies. Yeah. He's just trying to make it tough for. That's because he uh, loses. Well, he does lose. Yeah, there is a threat of. But serious, if he was yeah. that powerful, you know, why didn't he just blast her in the face with a lightning bolt or something? You know, because it was light fantasy, not. <laughs> Dark fantasy. But do you characterize, like, Little Red Riding Hood as light fantasy? I mean, that wolf gets hurt. He gets chopped up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The wolf gets hurt and he gets chopped up, but where was the magic? It's a wolf that can talk. <laughs> it's a talking Other, wolf. Also, yeah. Grandma lived. lived. Grandma yeah. did live. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, digested all right. Magic. Acid. All right, all right. Face. So, magical being, at least. Yeah. Magical being, at least. But the story was about put... Little Red Riding Hood and her grandmother, and the bad guy didn't win, just like... Happy ending, just like the other fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Snow White, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Where would you put something like uh, Arabian Nights or Aladdin or something like that? That's... Uh, that kind of mixes a couple of genres, mixes a couple of concepts. Uh, the other couple of concepts that we have are low fantasy and dark fantasy. Low fantasy is the more historically accurate time frames 
where up until the point that Aladdin gets into the uh, the cave, cave of wonders, the cave of wonders, it's pretty well low fantasy at that point. There's really like nothing magic. Yeah, there's nothing there yeah. except for All the of beginning sudden, when the guy gets eaten up by the cave of wonders, like the initial yeah. like. Uh, that is thief. true. So maybe that is a low fantasy setting, and just the cave of wonders is a high fantasy what place. About well, genies, a, yeah, wizards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying. He's you a, know, the thing is, I think yeah. it's like really hard to just stick to low fantasy because when people are telling that kind of uh, in that setting, it's really hard for them to not implement magic in some way or another, or what you would. You know, well, the magic, magic exists. The magic exists in low fantasy. The low fantasy is that magic exists, but it's unreliable. It's scary. It's more of a last resort tool than your first way to solve a problem. What you tend to run whenever you're running low fantasy games are games that are much smaller in scale, where you've got to find the corrupt merchant and solve that problem, beat the gangs back from this little town, the brigands that are attacking the village. You know, th- Those are the type of the low fantasy games that you have. Now, you can have a lot of really good role-playing stuff going on in there, but you're just not lobbing 10d6 fireballs at everybody. Yeah. What are the tropes of low fantasy as opposed to high fantasy? What do you lose from high fantasy to go to get to low fantasy? You lose consistency in magic. Oh yeah. Magic is more of a technology of a, more of an established technology in high fantasy. They've built cities around it. There's entire civilizations that exist because of it. It's a bubblegum forest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and in low fantasy, it tends to be more realistic with hints of little magic. Someone may have the, the magic ring. Yeah, like an or, item or like... The, 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 the distinction between like using a fireball to like light your to be like a nightlight and then like, holy crap, it's a fireball. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay. Right. Low fantasy is a thing where there are wizards, but you ain't one. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> and they tend to be... They tend to be more creepy and in the wings, the wizards are. They tend to be more shunned because the people that delve into those magics are... Not outsiders. the common, yeah. They're they're outsiders. They're not your common practitioner of any other trade. So I've, go ahead. I've played in campaigns that that were what I would characterize as post low fantasy, where magic was a thing, and there's some leftovers. And there's some leftovers, but it's not it, it's not something anybody uses or knows anything about anymore. Well, they might know about it, but you know, it's not something. There's, they there's do one or anymore. two people, maybe the descendants of the creepy wizards right. that were hiding in the caves. That <laughs> super rare, like crazy people. Yeah, I was gonna uh, uh, kind of a. Maybe a correlation to, I, of course, I read a bunch of comics. Right. When I think of low fantasy, I almost think like Batman type stuff because he's just a guy and he generally fights just guys. But sometimes you have like Mister Freeze and he's got an ice gun. That's it, not real. Like, or like Ra's just, al Ghul who can like reanimate re- himself yeah. with like a bubbly pit or Killer you know, Croc. Sorry. It just comes down to trappings there again. Yeah. It just comes down to trappings. You can like tell that same fan- story in a fantasy. Era. Exactly, and that would be like a low fantasy type of thing. You can tell that same story in a fantasy area, in a fantasy era, but when you're talking supers, it's just a different power level. That's all yeah. you're. That's all you're dealing I, with. Not just superheroes. I'm just talking about like Batman mythos and yeah. In you particular. could pull. You could definitely pull something like that off in in Renaissance. Europe. I'd say the way Batman presents a lot of that sort of stuff and. Uh, just the setting, the fact that it's modern day and that a lot of what he's dealing with is crime and roles in society yeah. sort of that sort of stuff, keeps it out of fantasy a little bit, I think. They're just fantasy elements into if it. If you just replace the Batmobile with a, a cart. very nice wagon buggy. that has cool magic items on it or something like that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can pull like, it off. Individually. Batman's like sitting outside. <laughs> I, I, think just the the, horse. I think just the degree of civilization in Batman makes it not fantasy. Okay. Right. So for low fantasy, I've got the Princess Bride. Yeah. You don't really yeah. see anybody casting spells in there. You have you have a couple little things going on in the wings, but those are done by the creepy guys in the corner. What about uh, the ridiculously large? What were they called? The rodents in the 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 the, the swamp. The giant rats. Or, yeah. yeah, they had like some sort of acronym, but like you know, they were rats that don't exist in like contemporary world. Well, yeah. What about Army of Darkness? Like hmm. that's pretty much that's. Like medieval, but then like, oh, skeletons, you know, like there's that one magic thing. Comedy is probably difficult to classify. Huh. Yeah, you, I, that, that fits into light fantasy pretty easily because of the whole, just the way it works, where just people are just there. Things are just there to be in your way. Uh, they're like, well, ma- then there's a whole army of skeletons. Still light. <laughs> I mean, it requires magic to just keep one of those skeletons right. together. You know so. what, though? That's another example of where magic is a thing... 
but nobody knows how to do it. Or right. It's <laughs> just it's just a thing. It just exists. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood. Uh, Robin Hood from you don't consider Robin Hood historical? I was going to ask this. Yeah, before. I was yeah, going to say magic? specifically Robin Hood from like the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie that at this where you have the the That's creepy definitely historical though because he's in the Crusades and everything. Well, yes, but then they've you have the creepy uh, sister of the sheriff casting spells with the chicken bones the and maybe witch thing. Yeah, it yeah. could be a witch. You didn't actually see the effects of what might have happened, but. That's kind of the feel that you would get with a low fantasy campaign from your magic users, stereotypically, I would think. Uh, The Crow. The Crow would probably be another one. Where, as far as the characters in that game know, there really is no magic. This is the really real world. There ain't no coming back, man. There ain't no coming back, (laughs) man. I saw you die. (laughs) But... Oi. But no crow. <laughs> top dollar, top dollars, no. top dollars sister. She figured out how to defeat the crow, and Brandon Lee's character in that was a revenant. Essentially, you could do that exact same story, mm-hmm. running through the running th- across the rooftops of medieval Europe in any fantasy campaign. I read in the news about how to defeat Brandon Lee. A gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. We should stop laughing. It was that's a little funny. funny. That's too soon. I would also say Three Musketeers. Yeah. Yeah. Man in the Iron uh, Mask. Well, that is Three Musketeers, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Man in the Iron Mask is totally Three Musketeers. <laughs> I'd say no, Three Musketeers would probably be it's, another it's one. An, it's an, they've, there's versions of Man in the Iron Mask that don't include the Three Musketeers, but the most popular versions include the Three Musketeers, but it's uh, not their only story. All right. They have more what, than one story. What about uh, either Treasure Island or Pirates yeah. or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Pirates, like, with an exclamation point. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I oh. think Pirates of the <laughs> Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. It has to be a little fantasy, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean is definitely fantasy. Oh, wait, well, definitely. like, if you get into the Flying Dutchman, there's, yeah, like, Yeah, you get into some and crazy and stuff Krakens. in there. You're like, dealing with Davy people, Jones. Yeah, but there's no, like, magic. Most Did people don't believe in this one? stuff. No. Did you see You no, didn't see the fourth one? Yeah. Um, Blackbeard's the biggest cheater ever. He can seriously <laughs> control like every rope and everything on his entire ship by like waving his palm over the pommel of his sword. Yeah, see that's that's pretty that's that's magic <laughs> as technology. Blackbeard doesn't just defeat other pirates, he shrinks their ships down to bottle size <laughs> and keeps a, a closet in his room full of bottled okay. ships of the Well, I haven't seen that movie. Full-on magic. But like just don't the go f- and see the fourth pirates if you can help it. Yeah, but the first one is just like the only fantasy element is zombies, you know, like zombies, cursed treasure. There's got to be something. Well, there's got to be something else. Hasn't my there? question is, there was how, that whole there was that whole cave that had all the crazy stuff going on. Yeah. This is a treasure cave. Well, I'd like how prevalent does the magic have to be in to make it high fantasy? Because like, you know, in like Curse of the Black Pearl, I guess it was just like, yeah, nobody believes in that. Yeah, I would, okay, I whatever. Say curse, that, okay, that's cool. I would say one. that if you're if you're qualifier for being high fantasy is that. Magic is solid enough. Generally I'd say it has to be ubiquitous. It has to yeah, be generally. Accepted. It's got to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that would make pirates yeah. low fantasy then. Well, I don't think so. Well, lo- even in or the pirates movies after the light first fantasy. one, when yeah. they see some new version of magic, they're like, "Oh my gosh, look at that new thing!" Yeah, that's just so like, oh, weird. Seen it. In a high been fantasy world, it would have just been, "Oh right, that okay." Yeah. Like, see, right. That's why I kind of consider like Once in Future King and that sort of stuff, like Sword in the Stone, stone mm-hmm. stuff, right? Low fantasy because. To me, Merlin is like the wizard, like the only wizard. Yeah, well, he's just true. like. But have you read or have you read like uh, the Crystal Caves, or have you ever seen like the Sam Neill no. uh, Merlin movie? Did you ever see Merlin when it was on ABC back in the day? No. Oh man, yeah, that was I have. Yeah, yeah. He's throwing spells all the time, yeah. dealing with Mab and and then you look at and... you look at the sword and the concept of King Arthur in the first place, the the king with the holy sword and everything. This isn't. This isn't vilified because it's weird and crazy. It's accepted, and Camelot exists. There's nothing magical about Camelot, though. There isn't anything magical about Camelot that you see on the surface, but if you look at the surrounding areas around Camelot, how it came to be is a bit of a mystery. That, again, depends on who you read, and some of them... Yeah, that's a good point. Camelot's the kingdom of God. And the other thing I was going to say, while we're on the topics of fantasy, I can't believe I didn't mention it yet, but, like, the roots of it, it's another root thing is mythology. Like, Norse mythology, like, all the monsters, magic, and mayhem all comes from ancient stories. If you you want to consider uh, J.R.R. Tolkien the father of modern high fantasy... 
dude it's, was a professor of Norse uh, mythology, uh, yeah, mythology and epic literature, right. basically, like Thor, yeah, the Jutenheim, the, the Greek trolls, yeah, that's where the concept of dwarves and elves right. came from, right? Definitely, definitely has a place. Magic there. is even re- relevant through there through runes. Yeah, the the last big umbrella that I have for fantasy is dark fantasy. See, I'm not really familiar with dark fantasy. Is that like the it's, degen- it's degenerative in my in my mind. Like dark fantasy, I, I have uh, something that I can sort of relate to dark fantasy, which is science fantasy. Okay. So there's stories that are it's fantasy, but there's technology that isn't just magic. Right. So right. there's like airships. I and mean, that's 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 mixing the genres right. and and pulling other concepts from other. But you can put settings that, in place. That can be a dark fantasy, also because I consider dark fantasy to be like degenerate fantasy. Basically, it reverts back to a dark state instead of a utopian state. It's the, like, the it's concept, exactly as it sounds. Yeah. It's the opposite of light fantasy, there's, where everything has happy endings. The the concept of dark fantasy is like where your heroes have a job to do. They're doing whatever they have to do. They're they're they have to make sacrifices. They're giving of themselves to do whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing. Um, Conan, the sacrifices he had to make and all the stuff that he had to come across and the magic concept in in Conan was very dark. Uh, like blood magic. The blood magic. Yeah, like that. it was very dark. It was not a pretty floating say, castles on, okay. on on turned over. Yeah. So on like, turned if over you think mountaintops. About general fantasy. I guess I think dark fantasy. I, I maybe is that what you're saying? Because like when I play a Pathfinder or a Dungeons and Dragons game, like I is am I playing dark fantasy because there's like killers and murderers? It and, could be. Yeah, it could. Be. That's where I'm. That's where I'm pretty comfortable. I, I, I yeah. love dark fantasy. I see yeah. it. Yeah, as that's sort of the general attitude that the whole the whole populace has and yeah. every society has in your setting if it's dark like fantasy. as opposed to like we're going on an adventure or when you're walking down the street or like when you walk down the street you get stabbed by a guy or yeah. something <laughs> yeah the, the 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 concept i guess the biggest difference between like dark fantasy and stereotypical high fantasy is that magic while it is still there and is still very common is not something that everybody uses. In high fantasy, everybody's using magic for whatever reason. They live in a, a castle that floats on a cloud. That is high fantasy. In in dark fantasy, you've got magic that's unpredictable or magic that costs or takes a toll on the surrounding areas around it or the people that cast the spells. And we can get into that as we get into other types of magic. That's a blood magic or a sacrificial yeah. magic that that eats away at the living or the surrounding area. Every time I am in a party or shepherd a party through a dark fantasy setting, I tend to always want to drive it toward high fantasy because I agree that it's kind of degenerative. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's it, a place that sucks. It will eat itself apart. Yeah. It will eat itself alive yeah. for sure. Because you can do anything when everybody's always, yeah. you know. You either play right. alignment not good yeah. or. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like those settings. Though. Oh, they're, they're fun. fun. They're a lot of fun. How about Willow? I was thinking like, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Warwick, this... If we're, if we're going to start talking about movies when we get in the magic section, Warwick Davis is probably in like five of them. <laughs> I was gonna say like I know this doesn't fit technical fantasy, but like the dark fantasy thing, uh, like I just saw that John Carter of Mars kind of thing. Yeah, and like that was pretty dark. I, I guess. haven't seen it. Like, I don't know. Like there's like kind of like weird magics and stuff like that, and <laughs> like it's I don't know violent and I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm still kind of grasping the concept. Well, it's, you you understand you know the yeah. concepts. We're just. Dark fantasy. We're just labeling things that yeah. don't really need to be labeled. If yet. you're like in Detroit at <laughs> 2 a.m. walking down the street, you're in a dark fantasy. <laughs> and if you're in like a Starbucks in Portland, yeah, and you're like surrounded by hipsters, that's light fantasy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, by dark fantasy, we're not saying like gothic, right? We're not talking. Not about necessarily. No, that's kind of a. That's just a Doesn't different. Have to be, no. You can have gothic anything. Gothic's just a descriptor that you use for a specific time period and I'm, I'm, a feel. Like gothic horror. Yeah. You're but, not talking about vampires. You're not talking about werewolves. Not that sort of setting. Like a Van Helsing type setting would not fall under dark fantasy, would it? I think it probably would. It would? Yeah, I think okay. it probably would. Okay. With I only presuppose the, the ritualistic magic and whatnot there. I think it would I think it would fit right into dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. You could totally run a Van Helsing campaign. 
Yeah. yeah. Dark, dark fantasy is more realistic, I think, because it's just like, like it doesn't natural, always end in puppets like, and rainbows. The natural yeah. path of it, all like if magic is high a thing societies. that makes it easier to get, uh, attain yeah. your desires. What are most people's desires right. originally? Dark. Yeah. It's well, the, the Warhammer universe is this, and like also yeah. the risk is greater and more fun to play through uh, with a dark fantasy rather than a high fantasy. I mean, if you think about if you think about magic as technology in a high fantasy setting, why would anyone ever die? Yeah, you know, and and all of a sudden, you know, important people, people don't. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, people don't need to plow their fields anymore, and and wizards do it. Messenger messengers don't messenger boys don't have to run from the castle to home. Then, so all of a sudden, the society kind of breaks down. So, you wind up with a situation where no one needs to do specific things. So those specific things don't exist anymore. Why would anyone be a doctor or a physician of any kind if there was magic. healing magic yeah. why would you waste your time there unless of course there is some other form of there is some other place in society where magic doesn't exist and i think in those places is where dark fantasy lies all right so i got one last one last one it's a question it's a weird one for me huge everybody knows it harry potter what what is it you're a wizard you're a wizard you're right high fantasy uh, ooh. medium fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Harry comes from yeah. the real world. Air Confusing quotes again. and convoluted fantasy. I'm willing to say that <laughs> Harry Potter is not high fantasy. I, I'm going to go with low fantasy. Yeah, I'll if, agree. If with that. just because high fantasy across a bunch of different like authors and their in their different realms has some rules to it that yeah. Harry Potter completely freaking ignores. Yeah. Also, there's not a whole lot of. Society built around it. I don't and, understand. Is the, the thing that bothers me, like the like real world society mixed with it, doesn't make any sense. Because yeah. there's sometimes where like the Harry Potter stuff will start being like, "Ooh, wizards and stuff," like out in the real world, <laughs> and like they're just tearing things apart, in and the, nobody, nobody just like, pulls a gun or like you know like in, in the second book, J.K. Rowling put in a Deus Ex Machina that there's just a spell that makes people forget exactly however much you want them to forget. Forget a kiss. Yeah, it's you know, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like Men in Black. To obliviate, but yeah, no, totally. Um, the the other thing that I think is the problem with the Harry Potter universe is that there are few races, if any, you know, you can make an argument about goblins that are of human level. That are demi races that you could actually play as a character. Yeah, and, there's yeah. there's nobody else. The humans are the wizards, and goblins are almost less than human in how greedy they are. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then you got like <laughs> Hagrid. What the heck else is there? Like, is mean, Hagrid even a human, or is he like a giant? He's a hybrid. Yeah, like, he's half yeah. giant. And then they show giants, and they're all big, retarded, <laughs> yeah, like, like animals. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. We're just gonna do whatever so there's we want. Centaurs, there's centaurs, and unicorns, unicorns. There's unicorns next to Hogwarts, but not like in London or like in the forest outside <laughs> That's right, of like yeah. Colorado. Wherever like, the heck Hogwarts is, who the heck knows where there's that much <laughs> right, space on like, an island that small? It's almost like going to a high fantasy realm, and then like the low fantasy realm is com- they're like two different dimensions almost. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, a different how plane of existence. Maps, I don't know. Is the way I see it. <laughs> so J.K. Rowling could have just kept out like once wizard once. Hagrid comes back to Harry and he's like, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> she could have just left, had Harry leave London forever and never go back. Yeah. I don't which know. would have made, maybe made more well, sense. Well, you got know. breaks over sense. the summer, so what are you going to do? Right. Yeah, man. <laughs> Stay there in no that awesome school. school. Yeah, There's no summer like, school in Hogwarts. Crack. You can't get ahead in your studies. Blow stuff away. Okay, important question. Important question. Who has read all the Harry Potter books here? Most of them. I read no. like half. I've read them all. I have not read them We've all. We've all seen the movies. Right? Have you read them all? I haven't read a single one. I love you the movies. You haven't read a single one. <laughs> <laughs> I like the movies. Yes. Okay, there's there's reasons for why he goes home and stuff. He's yeah. he's protected by the love of his family from Voldemort and stuff when he's there. Granted, his family all hates him, so there's a hole there, but you know. There, there's reasons for a lot of that, and it's really thought out. And I'm gonna nerd out if I keep talking like this. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting geek all over the microphone. If I had Sorry. Harry Potter powers when I went home for the summer, I'd just go around forget a kissing people all the time. <laughs> just be like, kick them in the knee, like forget a kiss. <laughs> like, oh no, I don't know. Where I go to steal like a ton of alcohol from yeah. like the gas mart, be like, yeah, like, nope, you didn't see that. <laughs> I don't right. know. Uh, the prohibition this? on underage wizardry or whatever the heck it's called forbids you from using magic outside of school oh. when you're a kid. Yeah, because they have the Ministry of Magic. Right, thought we, it out, man. We've got to move on because I'm never going to get all the geek off of that microphone. 
Remember that quick question you had? Uh, <laughs> well, want to rag on Harry Potter? It's popular. No, I knew exactly where this was going to go. It was, it was, it was all planned. Deus ex machina. So, what does magic mean if that is an established truth in your campaign setting? What does it mean for your characters? Ma- that magic is an established truth. I'm sorry. It is, is it? that magic is an established. And anything is possible. Yeah. Okay. So it's a high fantasy. Not necessarily. Uh, it is fantasy. Probably. There are other. There are lots of other settings that use magic there are as cool well. Cool flaming swords. Magic to me is a whole other system of getting things done. There's you know all sorts of knowledge by which people accomplish their goals. You know right. some people are really good at lifting things and can move stuff around and they understand the mechanics of force and that sort of stuff. Whether they you know can quantify it or not scientifically. There's people who know a lot about nature and uh, that's their thing. And magic is just another thing you can know to get stuff done. It's a whole other system. Just delve into it, though. They go so in high far, fantasy. Like, it's so ubiquitous that it becomes the new science. Magic, it, it becomes it becomes yeah. what science is to yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And I think it. I think that line between high fantasy, low fantasy, not necessarily light and dark. That's more of a feel of a way that you portray your game of the the way you portray yeah, the just... societies and the the interactions between people. That's kind of the dichotomy between light and dark fantasy. Yeah. Now between high and low fantasy. It's kind of how predictable is the magic? How widespread is it? How much is it used in society? Just like you're saying, what is kind it of magic? Is it a technology? Yeah. Is it established enough to be a technology? And if that's the case, what did it replace? What are you doing differently because you have magic instead of a shovel or an axe or oxen? What's yeah. how does that change things? Well, very often what characterizes I mean magic in that sense is that it's a way around the physical laws of the universe cuz like if fire wasn't a thing that required ignition and burned in certain ways and obeyed all the laws of like thermodynamics, it wouldn't be special if someone just conjured fire in their hands. You have to already have normal physics for magic to be something special. Right. And around. those you have to you have to have the normal physics in order to quantify magic, to quantify something, to qualify something as magic. With fire, for example, what you're what you're doing, you you're giving us physical reasons why fire has to be ignited and so on and so forth. Magic is a whole separate truth. This is what normal people normally people have to do to light a campfire where the wizard can put his pinky in it and say a quick word and all of a sudden the tinder's burning. There's a tendency in a lot of I think high fantasy worlds with when you have the lower level of tech to presume that the civilizations aren't as and, and again, the civilization's not spread out as much because for instance there's more races out there and everything and more unexplored space to put it further back in history and then to say that magic is what happens before technology and that it's because it's more natural. It's more, uh, it's, it's less ethereal, more true to the human experience or whatever. A lot of like like magic would make sense to them more than science would at that point. Right. And that, and, and a lot of times that like the, the ability for people to use magic comes from that. They are, that it's part of them, that sort of thing. Right. They're just, people are just like, Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's okay. Well, it's, that, natu- it's natural to yeah. you. That, that goes right along with the next section here. We've got uh, the different types of magic. And what you're describing there is something that I'm... Uh, an umbrella of a concept called organic magic. And organic magic is something that exists somewhere, something independent of the PCs or the players or the, even the people that live in that realm. It, it, it exists independent of them. It's the weave from the dungeons and dragons world it's a plane of existence it's a it's a deity it's something like that that people can then use by manipulating it in one form or another or by channeling it through them so you've got organic magic that lives and breathes alongside civilization the world world creates it the world or the universe or it's a being or there's an entity or a force would it be like the fountain of youth. I'm sorry, I'm trying to grasp this concept. Like, it would be like another. It's available to everyone. Like, maybe not if you know how to. If you know how to interact with use it. it. Like yeah. in, let's say something like in Avatar: The Last, the last yeah. Airbender, where the whole idea of magic is. Just, well, it's not available to everyone. It's, it's not, not available to everyone. I know, be, but neither is being a wizard. Sometimes in, in what in like D and D or something. No, it's totally available to everyone yeah. in D&D. It's just a matter of what knowledge base you're trying source. to take. Okay, what about being a sorcerer? The idea of a sorcerer is that it's bred into you in, in a lot of versions yeah. of Dungeons & Dragons. Not all of them, I don't think, but yeah. What I'm saying is not necessarily about specific player archetypes. What I'm talking about is in the system itself, 
there exists an entity, a substance, a force force that is magic, that people can manipulate if they know how or if they have the right bloodline or whatever. It exists independent of them, though. If that person dies, their little piece of the magic doesn't fall. It just isn't used. Yeah. So that's that's organic magic. The Fountain of Youth that you had mentioned just a bit ago... If that's a natural wonder, I would say that's definitely maybe yeah. where planes cross or where there's a rift in something or where there's an embodiment of this entity, something or, like know, that. Blessing from God. Uh, it could be. The, the thing about organic magic is that most of the time it's readily usable instantly. Yeah. You can call forth your fireball within the matter arsenal. of a few seconds. It's your... your... Well... Depends on the system you're using. Oh, well, yeah. right. That it depends on the system you're using and the type of fantasy that you're playing. If you're able to just blast out six magic missiles within a six-second round or whatever it is your game is playing, that's pretty readily available. Yeah. As opposed to something that would take days, months, an entire quest, something like that yeah. to cast to one spell. cast a spell, which would be sit under the umbrella of ritualistic or ceremonial magic. Thaumaturgy. Yep. A lot of you those can, have their own place in a setting as well. They do. Accompanying they do. next to organic magic. Right. Just depending on how you spice it up and explain it. Mm-hmm. Now you've got, underneath the ritual and ceremonial magics, you've got traditions and stuff which are like old world concepts and whatnot. You might have... You might have potion brewing and druids and such like that that are nature is thing that the magic comes is to mind is demonic stuff and demonology. That's very, almost always ritual. Very well voodoo. could be. Yeah. And yeah. that voodoo, exactly. Gypsy. A gypsy. Yeah. Curses. Yeah. Hexes. And that, that kind of that kind of creates an, another tree branch called blood magic. Which is yeah. something where it's you're sacrificing something. You need the hair blood for of blood. You yeah, know, you need the life. eyeball of the creature for you to scry Hands. and see something. Yeah. And then it's you have e equal mc squared applied to magic. Uh, magic. So <laughs> when when because we're talking about this, like when I said science fantasy earlier, I guess the thing that sort of defines that for me is there's technology right. that appears and produces things does things that we would consider magic yeah like a replicator from star trek yeah or right. to somebody from the 1800s an automatically open door or a lighter yeah, yeah. maybe not, not a lighter lighters have been around for but a i long mean time. We, we can identify it as yeah. technological but we know but that it, that's a technolo- the, technological technological advance yeah. what it produces is something that magical we magical. in the real world would consider magical and that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about yeah. trappings and right. it's just a trapping where a wizard uses a knock spell to open the door Somebody from the modern times walks up to shop and save, and the door opens for him. Yeah. Knocks bells installed right at the top there. <laughs> you know, the we were talking before about how you cast your spells. There's the, the swish and flick of with a wand of Harry Potter with right. the fakey Latin words, but you can get a wand that is, you know, like a Wii Remote type thing, <laughs> and, can, and you can program it to be a remote control for your TV. Right, right. You can actually do that. Yeah. The other side of ritualistic and ceremonial magic is holy magics. You'll see... God magic. Divine. An exorcism is a fantastic example of a ritual that is create, that is performed ceremoniously for a specific thing, and it takes a long, long time to Kabbalah. do. It's a reverse demonology. Yeah. These I two, mean, blood magic and holy magic, unless unless your deity is malevolent, I guess those two are con- constantly at odds. You're constantly walking. There's a, gray, there's a gray line between the two of them, but you're constantly walking... Walking on one side of that path or the other, yeah. I think. And you'll find a lot of ritualistic and ceremonial magic in your dark fantasy Almost and low fantasy areas. Like necromancy or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necromancy could be ritualistic. It doesn't have to be. It could be. It could be. If it's on a 30-second cooldown as opposed to a five-minute cooldown, it's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Going along the lines of holy magics and whatnot, somewhere between the two, organic and ritualistic magic... There's, there's one that's called runic magic. Now, runic magic is the concept. It's it's usually centered around old gods Ancient and sim- with symbols of power that, that embody the powers of those gods and those beings. <laughs> the idea of magic back from when words were a really cool new thing. Right. Yeah. Now, now when, when you're casting a spell using those runes, it may go pretty quick. 
The spell itself may go pretty quick, but the actual crafting of the runes is what has to take a long time because it has to be absolutely perfect. So that in and of itself, just the ability to cast a spell becomes a ritual, becomes, becomes a ceremony. So runic magic you'll find in, obviously, the... The Nordic runes. Yes. From where you can see inscriptions about Thor and whatnot on old... Odin, Odin. Sleipnir, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. You'll find a lot of that in that... It was a religion, though. It, too. it was a they religion. They used the runic stones to cast predictions and all kinds of stuff. Tell you stuff. whether you're going to have a good harvest this yeah. year. and Your horoscope. <laughs> right. <laughs> but runes can also be inscribed on items in a lot of fantasy fantasy settings you can generally see, an enchantment yeah and stuff like enchantment that. magics and whatnot and if you enchant an item if anybody who's ever played a character that tried to enchant an item in dungeons and dragons knows that by the book it's supposed to be a huge endeavor yeah you're supposed to quest for the items you have to have specific grades of items and and materials that you need to cast the spell into the item so that it holds its power or whatever that Generally, might be. Generally, if you see glowing scribbles on right, the it's, weapon, it's probably runes, runes yeah. of some sort. Right? Wasn't there a three point five setting that had a, an entire race that was like based on the idea of the like one true language and yeah, uh, they had a rune truth mark. speaking. I think yeah, truth sayers and truth speaking. Yeah, they had like a mark over their head and that actually created like a being underneath yeah. them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similar to runes, I think rune rune magic kind of applies to like all word based magic. Yeah, it's syntax magic. There's a I don't know if any of you guys ever read Skyrim. like Skyrim. Yeah, Ursula Le Guin's uh, uh, Wizard of Earthsea. Any of the Earthsea books? I never read them. She makes the the idea that there's like one true language that is like the true name of everything and. Uh, knowing names and knowing verbs and and knowing how to speak that just becomes magic allows you to the language behind the ideas of things that are real allows you to manipulate real things but yeah and um also in the final fantasy game franchise um the, the spell used to counter mages is actually called silence it's because it's kind of gives the idea that they're chanting or they're you know they're uttering words that are allowing them to speak, and once they're silenced, then they can no longer um, cast any sort of magical That's true, spells. Yeah. Well, there's there's one other type of magic I want to talk about, but before we go there, since you brought up a specific lack of an ability to do something in silence, in a lot of games and a lot of concepts, there are three different types of things that you need to have on hand in order to cast a spell. Verbal components, somatic components, and material components. You could have to have you you could need to have one or all of these three things to cast a spell at any given time. Yeah, maybe a, a power word spell like you were saying with the vocalization of magic. A power word spell would only require a verbal well, component. So well, if maybe you're not, there's some hand well, maybe gestures. I'm just saying, maybe all you need to do is say something. Yeah, and the spell happens. Uh, somatic components are specific movements or manipulations of the body or a wand or or some other tool that usually signifies the fact that the magic is an organic magic of some sort that exists everywhere, and if you know how to manipulate it, then you can use it to, to cast spells. So for the Harry Potter thing, I would say that it's probably a, an organic magic there. You also find organic magics in, like, enchanted forests and whatnot, and pretty much the, the plane of fairy. Yeah. Pretty much anywhere where you find just magic running rampant. Shooting it's, out of your hands, lasers. Yeah. And the last, the last uh, component that you that you could possibly need for spellcasting is a material. Now that could be a, tail or... a bit of ash so that yeah. you can cast your fireball spell, a rusty nail so that you can lock a door, you know, for the lock spell, or a rune if you're casting, if you're doing rune castings of some sort. Yeah. You need to have your bag of runes. Yeah. A lot of them which... are actually, in the books when you read them, they're really like absurd at some time. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of them diamond are dust. Yeah. Like, 500 gold yeah. pieces worth of diamonds or something. Diamond dust. What is <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how fun, does it still have to be in a crystalline form <laughs> or could it be, char- know, could it be charcoal? Yeah. Could it just be like <laughs> reduced carbon? There's like gold dust and stuff yeah. for a lot of them. It's just like, come on, really? Well, that's another, that's another. It's actually a feat. And, and that conjured lo- stuff yeah. doesn't count. There, there's feats that allow you to get rid of that. Just but like ignore that. A lot of DMs just don't even. Yeah, I've right. played very few campaigns where material components were something we actually worried yeah. about. Well, here's how we do it. The house rule on, I, I like playing the wizards and whatnot, but the bookkeeping aspect of it, unless that's going to be something that 
is going to be a centralized part of the campaign that everybody is bought in on. If I'm the wizard and I'm the only Jack Wang that is, has to do all this book work because yeah. I want to cast Fireball. Like, Hold on, guys. we got to burn down this thing. Right. I have a problem. Edge. I have a problem playing that character yeah. usually. So what I usually do is house rule in my campaigns. We use a mana dust or something that accounts for everything under 500 gold pieces that you need in a spell. So if you need to have the 500 gold piece diamond to cast the spell, you need to get the 500 gold piece diamond. But if you also needed 14 bags of incense, you got that. You're good. Yeah, like, yeah, a, like a the wizard. cheater's magic source. <laughs> like a wizard's utility belt. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how I that's how I altered second edition to play with my kids. I just gave them mana dust, and then if there was a specific thing they needed, a half span orb of jade, then it became an adventure to go get it. A lot of wizards, I almost don't care what system you're playing when it if it includes material components, seem like they should be walking around wearing like. Tackle boxes. Yeah, tackle yes. boxes and Fishing. duffel bags yeah. and yeah. mountain climbing rucksacks back there. And like a Pathfinder face. character. And it, it can't even be that. It, it, it all has to be readily at hand. So it has to be like, <laughs> it can't even be pockets. It has to be hanging off of them, now, like pinned to them. On yeah. The thing, I, I read a book. I don't remember the name of it. The wizard's name was Drew Holland. Okay. And he was a carpenter. And so he had created his magical components box. And it was basically a little six inch box that he kept on his on his waist and he could open it and each little drawer in there was an extra dimensional space (laughs) so and it would fold up into itself if he opened it all the way up it would be like three feet by three feet (laughs) and have all these drawers in it all over the place but he could reach down and pull out whatever he needed but he also if he didn't have his box he would have just like you said he'd have a bit of ash under his thumbnail and he'd have some bat guano on his collar so that he could rub it and get you know, whatever spell component you needed just in case you didn't have his box. So basically, you're just like a crazy hobo. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> he was a crazy hobo. I seem to remember, I think in Full Metal Alchemist. blow your face off. Did, Steve, do you watch Full Metal Alchemist? No, I, don't I know. saw a lot of episodes. Uh, they had to have, like, symbols and stuff in order to do a lot of their, like, alchemy, their flash oh, alchemy like type stuff. Like sigils or whatever? Sigils? I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, they they had to have like little circles or an alchemist circle or something. I can't yeah. remember exactly all the rules. And they had to have some of their like components in order to actually transmute stuff. And one of the guys was like really flashy and he could do a lot with fire. But his trick was that he'd drawn the symbols on the like in, inside of his gloves. And he was always wearing gloves. <laughs> but nobody ever saw that because he was always either clenching his hands or had him set down on something. But then he'd get in a fight and he'd just like start throwing fire at people. And they're like, how are you doing that without a circle? And he's like, oh, I'm cheating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Funny you bring up alchemy. That was the last big umbrella of magic that I was going to bring up was alchemy, which is a manipulation of science and math and natural magics that exist, uh, utilizing verbal, somatic, material components, runes as the language for, for carrying on. It's kind of the every the embodiment of all the magics put together becomes alchemy. And that's what you find in the throw a bunch of crap in a pot and make a spell well you're making elixirs you're making potions and whatnot but that's that's the type of magic that you're you find in the king arthur legends and stories is is an alchemy merlin was an alchemist so yeah. <laughs> that that's the books i read anyway <laughs> maybe you i'm read wrong some weird books correct me on the forum if you'd like I've been. it's interesting the way we just touched on a bunch of these because i mentioned before that i've been reading the harry dresden novels yeah. which Read them, folks. It's it's like Chicago modern day neo noir, but the main character is a wizard living out in the open. It's great. He's got he when he can't sleep, he goes down into his sub basement and starts making potions. And he's got <laughs> the rules they make it up for it are that you have to have uh, something for every sense. So he's got all kinds of crazy ingredients in his house. And oh, and the fun one of the things I find really funny about that is if you don't have the exact right material component. Something very similar will do. You know? <laughs> it's like you're trying to make a love potion, and one of the, and the, the like liquid base for it is supposed to be like wine or something. It's like I don't have any wine, and the, and his assistant's like use tequila, whatever gets <laughs> whatever gets him drunk. Really, it's about it's about lowering it's about lowering inhibitions. So it only gets like college chicks. <laughs> <laughs> love potion wears off after tequila you know, love one potion. night. <laughs> yeah. But then you talked about somatic components. He's got like a, the wizard's got a, a blasting rod that he uh, points and stuff whenever he wants to set it on fire. And he gives the reason why. He doesn't have to do it to create fire, but he's a really bad aim. Like, <laughs> Ooh, a good example of sci- uh, science fantasy is uh, Sonic Screwdrivers. Oh, yeah, great one. Uh, great one. Yeah, that's they just wand. do everything. Oh, yeah, that's a sure wand. It's just a wand of no, everything they're, is worked. They're terrible at wood. Oh. 
I've seen like two episodes of Doctor Who. So. That's a good one. <laughs> and again, on Dresden for verbal components, he uh, he he speaks this like bad form of Latin when he's trying to cast his spells, and he actually like ta- Harry Potter. Yep. And he, he, <laughs> except that in this one, they give a reason why. Uh, the, the the main character explains that like the power comes from like inside of you that when you're a caster or a wizard it's it's a will based thing and then when you want to form a spell out of it it helps to attach words to it to like give it form and command but if you use words that your mind attaches too much to it'll like feedback in your brain and burn you <laughs> so you have to use words that have like a fuzzy meaning to so it's you it's an arcane backfire right like your when you say the word fire yeah. you're you have memories of fire from your childhood. You're you have experience a of fire with a, image. A, a ton of it. It, it super activates your brain. But if yeah. you say like fuego, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to you except like that you're going to cast this fire spell <laughs> yeah. now. So it's like Orange that. Soda? <laughs> Did you just say fago? <laughs> like the root beer that's not fire? <laughs> nice. All right. So one last shout out here, if you will. Uh, Ari Salvatore. Oh, yeah. Everybody's read his books. Yeah. Particularly the Dritz novels and whatnot. Everybody's read them. Everybody in the world but Mac, apparently. But that's not what I'm talking about. He's got a series of books out, books out called The Saga of the First King. And I, I don't remember if he's completely finished with it or not. But it takes place in a world that he created called Corona. They're making a video game about it. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And the, the magic system in there, it's ceremonial and ritualistic as far as who's... A magician who does magic. They're usually priests. And you have two kind of warring churches in the kingdom of Avalon, I think is what it's called. You have the Abelican Church, and then you have the Samhaists. And the Abelican Church are the the monks, a monastic order, and they cast their spells using different types of stones. And an Abelican monk can't cast a spell without a stone in his hand. These stones are holy artifacts for this church, so every, I don't remember however long it is, years, they go up to this island that's all the way up at the north of the the map and whatnot. They go there, and then there's this big storm of rocks. Rocks fall from the sky on this island. These are the gifts of, of their god. The monks go there, and they have to gather these stones before they sit on the ground for so long, and then those stones maintain that magical property. If they sit on the ground for too long, they lose their magical properties and they're just rocks. So that's kind of the rite of passage for those priests is that they go up there and they gather the stones and they bring back the artifacts, the gifts of their god to their monastic order. That order, the Abelican Church, is picking up steam and getting more widespread in in the kingdoms. And the old ways of doing things was uh, they were kind of druidic, more blood magic they worshipped a guy named Samhain, and it was it was very sacrificial magic. In order for someone to cast a spell that is going to allow someone to bear a child, they have to castrate someone else. So it's an eye for an eye. It's, a, it's yeah. very, very aggressive magics that you have to sacrifice something for in order to to reap the rewards of casting the spell. Isn't that all, almost archetypical blood magic? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Oh. And the the concept in Salvatore's world here is that the Abelican Church is picking up steam and the the Samhaists don't like it because it's not their way of thinking. Yeah. And so there's constant clashes between these two religions. And they he introduced some other sects of religions. It's Primal versus enlightened. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But then he, he muddied the waters a little bit by creating um, another continent off to the side where you have monks that the magic uh, monks as in like Shaolin type monks. Yeah. And their power comes from within. Chakras and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. And so their power comes with it from within. The Abelicans come from specific stones, stones. that they, they gather. The Samhaists come from the blood and the sacrifice uh, that is given to a vengeful deity. And then there are some shamans, too, that he throws in. And that magic comes from the world and the natural life that exists there. 
And he's got multiple stories that are written inside this this realm, and it's just a pretty good example of a whole bunch, a of, whole bunch of different magics that are all thrown into one place and different truths that, that exist all within the same campaign setting. As long as you stand by those truths, that you can have multiple different magics and types of fantasy and, and all this stuff working together to create one game. I'd really like to see a discussion on the forum about this. I would love it if people could uh, log into the forums and give us their views. I'm sure there are other concepts that sit underneath these large umbrellas that we have, that we've lined out for you here. If you've got something that we missed or something that you'd like to add, get on the forum and let us know. If um, if you'd like to write a blog, contact Dan. Maybe we can put something up. Well, we do have uh, listener blogs on the... Um... Dan likes blogs. Dan? <laughs> Send Dan things. Yes. You're Dan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Contact Dan at carpegm.net. Sorry about that. Dan's me. Dan doesn't need this podcast. And with that... You're not Dan? Wait. Uh, if you start talking about yourself in the third person, dude. Yeah, you're out. You're so what, far gone. That's what Dan does. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Dan rolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan's going to call this one... <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Brian. Tyler is tuning out. And I'm Mac. And remember, support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. And support Legend of Korra. The Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening. Next time on the Carpe GM Gamecast. Welcome to the Carpe GM Lobcast. I am Kane the Exsanguinated. I am Vladimir the Argumentative. I am Dracula the Dracula. I am Demetrius the Malevolent. Hey, guys, what the, the, what's all the candles? The summoning circle has been interrupted. Did you guys make costumes? Kill the non-believer! Give, give me-